Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. to us in Jesus name I believe the atmosphere is correct I believe the moment is right for us to open our Bibles and enter to the word of the Lord and let God's word touch us tonight Amen. we're going down some for some some familiar paths we have been talking the last few services um, dealing with foundational doctrines of the apostolic church and uh, I trust that the endeavor tonight can be understood and not misunderstood. I think that we, it is imperative that we understand why we do what we do. I may mention this in a moment, but uh, again in a moment, I think obedience is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. But there's nothing as empowering as knowledge. And so to obey something is very commendable, but we need to have the knowledge of why we're doing what we're doing. The book of Acts chapter 2, we're going to read one verse, verse number 38. I, I have a lot of ground to cover tonight. That doesn't mean we're going to be here till midnight unless the, unless the Lord deems that. But uh, so I must move intentionally. But I also do not want to move at such a pace that uh, we just muddy the water. And uh, so if you will, I am, we have a lot of scriptures to share. They will be on the screen and we'll probably moving, be moving at a pace faster than you may be able to keep up with unless you're a Bible swordsman of old. But a uh, Bible sword driller of old, I guess I should say. But uh, if you will, just stay with me tonight. Would you do that? Amen. Let's make this journey together. The book of Acts chapter 2 verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated, and uh, let's just make this tonight uh, a journey that we do arm in arm, heart to heart, and shoulder to shoulder. I'm going to be teaching on the subject of baptism, and I just want to again... Uh, reiterate that uh, it's a wonderful thing to obey something out of faith and maybe that's how many of us began our journey with God I didn't understand all that I understand about the Lord the night I got the Holy Ghost many things I did by obedience of those who were teaching me and I had confidence in their ability and their walk with God but I think that we need to be empowered with the knowledge of Scripture and uh, so that we don't just baptize people as a part of what we do as a church and uh, it just becomes sort of a rite of passage or a, re a religious rite or ritual 
we need to understand, number one, why we're baptizing and, uh, and then why and how. And so with that said, let's look into the subject of baptism. The word baptize is derived from a Greek word meaning fully wet or to immerse or to submerge or to plunge into or to dip or to bury. And so I think that it's important that we understand the mode of baptism. The method of baptism should be that we are immersed fully in water. And I'll talk about that again in, in just a moment in a little bit more detail. I believe that salvation is certainly the single most important thing in any person's life. Amen. Above all else, I must be saved. Above all else. And so we must continue then to preach what the book of Acts teaches. And uh, we can't afford to ignore these eternal orders. And uh, so I pray tonight that we can understand that I am not just making up something for the sake of me or the sake of this local assembly, but we're just reiterating and echoing the words of the, of the apostles who walked with the Lord and talked with him. The book of Mark chapter 16 and verses 15 and 16 the scripture says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And so we have to understand the, the, the sharp sword and the truth of God's word. Amen, there are some absolutes in the word of God. In the hour we live in, where the line is very blurred in most every aspect of life, uh, when you begin to take a stand for anything, it doesn't really matter what it is, when you just begin to take a stand for anything, you automatically almost become a part of the minority. Amen. Baptism is certainly not a New Testament concept. The principle was conveyed long ago through Old Testament types and shadows. Noah was saved by water. The book of 1 Peter 3.20 in verse 21, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. So here we have a prophetic utterance of baptism. Like uh, the like figure whereunto, verse 21 says, even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, we understand that the word of God must be established in our heart. I mentioned, I think, uh, Sunday that you can't just take one scripture and uh, build a doctrine on one scripture or one idea and build a foundation upon that. But in the word of two or three witnesses, let every, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, Paul said to the church at Corinth, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And so what we see in this, the cloud is symbolic certainly of the Spirit of God, and so there has always been a spirit of God that has been directing the people of God. And so when the cloud moved, uh, that was symbolic of the spirit. And the water was symbolic of the baptism, of baptism. And so the types and shadows were present. Simon Peter 
uh, began to tell of them. John the Baptist told of them. And so this was not a new concept. This was nothing new. This was uh, the knowledge of the type. And so in the book of Matthew chapter three, we see baptism begins, Matthew three and six. The Bible speaks of this, and were baptized of him, him being John the Baptist, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. If we go to the 11th verse, the scripture says, I indeed, this is again John the Baptist, John said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In the 13th verse, the Bible says, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. He made some 60 mile journey to be baptized of him. So baptism is certainly important. In the book of Mark chapter one and verse number four, the Bible says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. John preached what he knew and could only preach people to a certain point. That's why he said, I can just baptize you with water under repentance, but there is one coming after me who is mightier than I that shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John baptized the repentance of the remission of sin. John 3 and 22, after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. I'm just pointing out the fact that baptism was not a new concept. It's dotted all throughout the scripture. John chapter one and verse, John chapter four rather in verse number one. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. And so baptism again was a concept that people were familiar with. So when Jesus and Peter commanded them then for people to be baptized, this was not a new story. This was not anything that was the first time the disciples were hearing this word or the first time that the people in general were hearing this word. If we move to the book of Romans chapter six, the Bible says in verse number four, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Paul uses the, the terminology here in, to the Roman church that we are buried with him. Again, in the book of Colossians, Paul uses that same phrase. In the book of Colossians 2 and 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. So here we have in Romans 6 and then also in Colossians 2 that Paul uses the phrase, gives us a word picture that we are buried with him in baptism. And so when you are buried, and I'm not being cynical tonight, just being honest, but when you are buried, you go under. When somebody buries something, you don't just lay something on the ground, throw a little dirt on top of it. But if you're gonna sufficiently do the job at hand, then we must be buried with him in baptism. Amen. So when we are put under, we are put in a watery grave. Baptism is a type of the grave. The flesh going to the grave to be buried. When Jesus got baptized, the scripture teaches us that he went into the water. 
And I know some people may be kind of scratching their head and say, well, why are we discussing this? This is an issue among many, 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 many ranks and, and minds. Amen. When Jesus got baptized, he went into the Jordan River. When the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized, the scripture says that he came up out of the water. And so we not only see that Paul would command that we are to be buried with him, and uh, obviously the word baptized, people understood what that meant, but now we're seeing significant evidence of those that went into the water, those that came up out of the water, they were buried in baptism. And uh, when a babe is born, let's talk about the name. When, a, when the babe was born in Judea, there was a new name introduced to the world, a new name. And the name of Jesus was introduced by an angel to I think we would all agree a somewhat bewildered man by the name of Joseph, who was engaged to a virgin and now has found her to be with child, conceived of the Holy Ghost. But there was something about the peace of the angel of God that came to him. Amen. Matthew 1 and 20, the Bible says, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And so for the first time, for the first time, the name of Jesus is spoken. Amen. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah 7 and 14. Isaiah uttered these words long before he knew that he knew. Amen. He uttered these words, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Can you imagine what those of Isaiah's day must have thought? For somebody to make such a bizarre and such an absurd utterance that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you'll call his name Emmanuel. Jesus Christ completely fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah 7 and 14. Emmanuel, God, God with us. And then they said, God Almighty being with us. His name is going to be called Jesus. This was not random. There was nothing arbitrary about this, but there was a divine appointment, and I'm thankful today for that appointment, aren't you? The book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9 says, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Verse 11 says, And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of to the glory of God the Father. Amen. God revealed himself in creation as Elohim. He was known as El Shaddai to Abraham during the dispensation of promise. To Moses during the dispensation of law, he was known as Jehovah or the I Am. And now in Bethlehem, 
his name shall be called Jesus. That means that this dispensation, in this dispensation of grace that God can be reached. To think that we today have been in this service up to now, we have not just sat with our arms folded, waiting for someone else to lead us to the presence of the Lord. But aren't you thankful that we could enter into this house? We could enter into his presence in this divine setting tonight. I know for some, it may just be a brick and mortar building, but we understand the happenings of this very evening that the spirit of God has met with us. I'm thankful that God can be reached. He can be reached by a name that is a name above every name, and that is the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus is above the name Jehovah. It is above the name Elohim. It is above the name El Shaddai. It is above the name John. It is above the name Tom. It is above the name Mary. It is above the name Sarah. Amen, it is a name above every name. Aren't you thankful that you know the name of Jesus? Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Bible says in him, in him, Jesus dwelleth all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I'm glad that I know him. All of the knowledge of God, all of the wisdom of God is bound up in this man, Christ Jesus. It is the highest and the greatest revelation. I don't want to ever underestimate that or devalue that in my mind. As I have said many, many times, I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm thankful that I had grandparents and parents that brought me to the house of God. I'm thankful for the revelation of the Godhead, the revelation of, the, of, of salvation, the revelation of repentance, the revelation of baptism that came in their life. But you see, that wasn't good enough for me. I could just march to the beat of their drum if that's what I chose to do and just go through the motions if that's what I chose to do. But you see, I needed to experience this for myself. Amen. And so I'm thankful for my heritage, but I'm not just doing this because my grandpa did it. I'm not just here tonight because this is where my mom and my dad brought me. But I'm here tonight because of the revelation that, of light that has shown in my own heart and in my own life, and I'm thankful for that. It's the highest and the greatest revelation. Amen. The revelation of the mighty God in Christ. The book of Colossians chapter three and verse number 17 the Bible says that whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Whatever you do, whether it's in word or whether it's in deed or action, do it all in the name of Jesus. And so when someone asks why we baptize in Jesus' name, we need to be asking why don't you baptize in Jesus' name? Amen, the real question is not why we do, the real question is why you don't. Amen, amen, amen. Whatever you do, do all in the name of Jesus. Amen, it is why the apostles were always, were always baptizing in the name of Jesus. 
all of their converts. You can, you can search the scripture from Genesis to the maps and the only thing that you'll ever find is that all of their converts were baptized in every instance. They were baptized in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Jews were baptized in the name of Jesus. The Gentiles and the Samaritans were baptized in the name of Jesus. The book of Matthew chapter 28 and 19, the Bible says, go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That was what Jesus commanded his disciples to do. To go therefore in all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But not one time, not one time in the six accounts of water baptism after Jesus made this statement did any one of his disciples just repeat what Jesus said Amen, they went and they completed what Jesus said. They did what he said. They didn't just say, but they did what he said. And so you'll not find one place in the Bible where the person that was doing the baptizing baptized anybody in just the titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I mean, you may ask the question, well, did they disobey? Did they disobey the Lord? Did they disobey what Jesus said? The answer to that, quite simply, is no, because they understood the name. They understood the name of Jesus and the sing, was, was the singular name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. So what is the name of the Son? The Bible says in Matthew one twenty one, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And so to baptize in the name of the Son, you need to baptize in the name of Jesus because according to Matthew one twenty one, that's the name of the Son. Jesus said to baptize in the name of the Father. In John 5 and 43, Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you, shall, you will receive. Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name. Amen. So when you begin to speak about then, not only the present, but that which was to come, Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse number 26, he was going to be leaving. But he said, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost is a singular name and that name is Jesus. Amen, that's why the apostles baptized the way they did because they understood the singular name to be Jesus. Amen, there are, and there is rather no power or there is no authority in the titles alone. There is only power in the name of Jesus. If you are going to do any business where you need authority to do that business, you're going to have to use your name. Amen. No matter how many titles you possess, no matter how many nicknames you may have, you're going to have to use your legal given name. Amen. There is one who has all power. Amen. And that name is above every other name. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ through the ages and through the scriptures. And so when, uh, for instance, when people first come and visit our church, maybe they don't know every, obviously they, when they come the first time or first few times, they don't really understand who's who, so to speak. 
And so they, uh, I will introduce them, myself to them. My name is Steve Boyd, and I'm the pastor of the church. And so they know me as the pastor. But if they keep coming around and they keep hanging around after a while, they're going to figure out that one of these ladies that sits up here on the platform and also generally sits by these good-looking guys over here, if you notice that, <laughs> they're going to pick up after a while that she is my wife. And so they're going to realize that I, I'm married and I, so I'm a husband. So I have the title of pastor and now I have the title of husband. If they continue to hang around, they're going to figure out after a while uh, that I have a son that attends this church. And then in time, they're going to probably figure out maybe at the same time that I have a daughter-in-law. And so now I am a pastor and I am a husband and I am a father and I am a father-in-law. But I am still just Steve Boyd. Amen. Amen. I realize to some degree preaching to the choir tonight, but just because we know other aspects or you may know no other aspects of my life doesn't make me more than one person. <clears throat> I have to operate in different, uh, uh, in different aspects or in different roles. I have different roles that I have to play. Uh, it's not that, that fulfill, perhaps is a better word. Uh, fulfill. <laughs> I had to fulfill there. And so you've often heard me say this, that sometimes if my wife kind of gets a little snippy at me, that's happened one or two times in 35 years. And I'll tell her, so you shouldn't talk like that to your pastor. And she always quickly tells me, I am not talking to my pastor right now. I'm talking to my husband. <laughs> oh, a matter of convenience. I think, it's, I think it's just a matter of convenience is what I think. You can tell she's not here to defend herself, can't you? <laughs> Feeling 10 foot tall and bold as a lion. So God was first revealed as the I am. And then as a baby, he was revealed as a savior. God manifested in flesh. He shall save his people from their sin. And then he was revealed as the comforter, which would come, or the comforter is the Holy Ghost. And so... It was God, a spirit, and then God, flesh that dwelt among us. Amen. God first, a spirit that man approached. Then God, flesh that walked among us. And then God, spirit, the comforter, which dwelt in us. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad. That's why it's so significant when he said, it is finished on the cross. It is so significant that we understand the value of what happened at that moment. The Bible says, behold, the veil in the temple was torn, was rent. The word rent means to be torn, was torn in two. That meant no longer did a high priest have to go into the holies of holy on our behalf, but now we had common man had access to the supernatural power of God because we would be filled with that spirit. In Ephesians uh, 2 and 20, the Bible says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And so if the apostles were mistaken, then our foundation is gone. If the apostles were mistaken, then we are, we are a hopeless generation if the apostles were wrong. Amen. If the apostles were wrong, we're in trouble because Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. And these 
great men who were moved on by the Spirit of God, pressed upon by the Spirit of God, not just New Testament writers, of course, but those that were moved on by the Spirit of God. And, and, and we have what we have today because God moved upon the flesh of men, amen, and anointed them divinely. That's why when you read the scripture, I know that maybe you have heard this before, but to just be reminded that when, when Moses said uh, that, that I want to see you face to face, and the Lord said, no man can see my face and live. But he said, there is a place by me. And he hid Moses in the cleft of the rock. And he, and he walked past him. And the Bible says that, that Moses saw the hinder part of the Lord. That doesn't mean that Moses saw the backside of the Lord, but that's, it was what God revealed to Moses at that moment get, that gave him the ability to write the first five books of the Old Testament. He meant he began to show him what was there. Then so the Spirit of God not only moved about the past, but then the present, but also the Spirit of God moved upon men to speak about what was gonna be in the future. As I read a moment ago about Isaiah and Joel and the major and the minor prophets that begin to thrust the prophecies ahead in time. Aren't you glad today that men still will allow themselves, and I'm not just talking about males, but mankind will allow themselves to still be used of God and moved upon in this hour. Amen. And so the Bible says in Matthew 28, 16, then the 11 disciples went away into, the, into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. The 11 disciples went into Galilee. Jesus was not speaking to the multitudes here. I think it's important for us to understand. He was speaking to an elite select group of men that he had hand chosen. Just 11 heard these words. When you read the book of Acts chapter one and verse 26, you will see that the 11 cast lots in order to choose the 12th apostle because by now Judas had already betrayed the Lord. Amen. And that 12th apostle was named Matthias. The Bible says, and he was numbered and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And so, the, and so we're back to 12 apostles. Did you follow that? We're back to 12 apostles. That's why you read in Acts chapter two and verse number 14 that, that Peter standing up with the 11 lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. And so Peter was standing up with the 11, he was in the company of an accountability team, if I could just put that in some real contemporary language. So if Acts 2.38 was just merely the opinion of Simon Peter, why did not one of the 11 stop him and correct him and say that is not at all what Jesus said for us to do? They again understood. They understood what Jesus had told them. They all heard the words of Jesus. He commissioned his disciples. They understood and they obeyed. They fulfilled the word of the Lord. The Bible says in Acts chapter two and verse 41, and then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I think, the, I think the important part that we have to understand here is that they received Two things I want to point out is that they received, and the second thing was the word. I think that we're going to have to have a spirit of reception 
if God is gonna do any work in our life, I'm gonna have to open myself, avail myself to his power, his spirit, his leading, his guiding. Amen. The other word that I think we have to underline here is the word. What was the word that they received? That word was Acts 2.38. Amen. Here is a plan of salvation that we need to repent of our sins. Not just change our mind. Not just turn around and walk another way. But we need to be changed from the inside out. Amen, I don't need to go against my will, but I need my will to be changed, my will to be conformed. I need the spirit and the power of the Lord to minister to me. I would like our musicians to prepare if they will, uh, but don't get your hopes up. (laughs) I've got a runway before me, but it's kind of long. I was just trying to figure out where to insert these two magic words that always makes everybody feel better. In closing, the book of Acts, and and so because I'm gonna slow down just a little bit doesn't mean this next part is not as important as the first part because I'm gonna try to bring all this together. In the book of Acts chapter eight, Philip was in Samaria and the spirit of God sent him. Philip was in revival and the Lord sent him to an Ethiopian eunuch and it was there that he found a man reading from the book of Isaiah. And he said, you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I understand it? Unless somebody showed me. The scripture says that, that Philip got into the chariot with him and began where he was reading and preached to him Jesus. Now there's a whole lot to be taught right here, but I'm gonna summarize it as well as I can that I think that just because God has revealed something to us that we need to be careful, as I said Sunday, that we don't take this as a ball bat into the streets. But the Bible says that Philip got into the chariot with him and he took him from where he was and preached to him Jesus. Now you you can read way more into this if you're inclined to do so tonight. But I realize the value and the mandate of the value that is placed upon our shoulders to preach, teeth, and declare the truth. But I think that we must be very careful that we don't discount where somebody already has come in the Lord. We can't discount the steps they've already made. They may be a long way off. They may be a long way to go. But don't discount the steps that they've already taken. Amen. Don't discount the steps that they've already taken. Let me hasten. Acts 9 and 18, Paul was on the road to Damascus and a divine revelation shone upon him. So strong, so powerful was this encounter that left him blind temporarily. But here's what we need to gather from this. When he was stricken blind and a voice spoke to him, he said, who art thou, Lord? He understood the significance of that moment And the voice that spoke back said, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. In Acts 10, Cornelius and his household had just received the Holy Ghost. Several scriptures to share with you here concerning this. While Peter yet spake these words, verse 44, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles 
also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me pause here long enough to say this, that up until now, only Jews had received this experience. And so now here in the house of Cornelius, these dirty dogs of Gentiles, somebody that wasn't even worthy to be in the same room, don't associate with them. But Simon realized this message is too good for just one sect of people. Amen. And now they're astonished that the Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost. They knew they had received the Holy Ghost because verse 46 says they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. The Bible says that he commanded them. He didn't suggest when you get around to it, this may be a good idea if you can fit this into your schedule, but he commanded them to be baptized. They had repented. They had received the Holy Ghost. They had spoken in tongues, and yet Peter commanded them to be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. In the book of Acts chapter 19, the disciples of John the Baptist, I mentioned earlier that John the Baptist had a message of repentance. He had a, a, he had a little light, if I can just put it this way, not to minimize that, but he had a little light that he was walking in, but he understood that he was walking in a little light because he said, I can only baptize you into repentance, but there is one coming after me who is mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to bear his shoes or to, to, to tie or untie his shoes, but he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen, the Bible says that... Uh, the disciples of John, when they heard this in chapter 19 of verse five, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now we need to understand that these were the disciples of John. This was not the hell's angels. This was the disciples of John who had already been baptized under John's baptism. Amen. They had already been baptized under John. And so in verse number three of chapter 19, the Bible says, he said unto them, unto what were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized into John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so if it doesn't really matter, why were the disciples of John rebaptized? If this is no big deal, if we can all let this just come out in the wash, amen, then why were, why were the disciples of John compelled at that moment to be baptized? And so I wanna say to the church this tonight, that, that we need the spirit of God. I, my prayer all afternoon has been, Lord, the scripture teaches us that it is the anointing that destroys the yoke. And so I don't, want, I don't want to let it be my voice. I don't want to let it be my personality. I don't want it to let it be anything that we say or do in the course of a given corporate worship service. But Lord, we need your anointing among us to destroy the yoke of bondage that sometimes the yoke of tradition, the, the yoke of ideas of men. Amen. The Bible says that when Paul heard this, he wasn't standing there casting a shadow, intimidating them into some decision. They were pricked in their heart. They were moved. They said, you know what? When we heard this, we got to do this. We have got to be baptized. We've got to be compelled. And I say, Lord, help us today to let your spirit move in our midst, that we would not be arrogant. Amen. That we would not be haughty, that we would not be high-minded. But Lord, that we would with confidence, but yet with humility, teach your word and 
and speak your word and create an atmosphere where your anointing can destroy the yoke. Is that all right? Amen, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. If, if, you, if you would stand with me, I wanna continue just a few more here. In Acts 2, the Jews were baptized. In Acts 8, the Samaritans were baptized in Jesus' name. In Acts 9, Paul was baptized in Jesus' name. In Acts 10, the Italians were baptized in Jesus' name. In Acts 19, the Greeks were baptized in Jesus' name. In Acts 22, Paul was witnessing to others, and and in Acts 22, Paul recounts his entire conversion experience. And he begins to tell others about how on the road to Damascus, here's what happened and here's what I did about it. They were all baptized in the name of Jesus. And so there are some important reasons why the apostles commanded people to be baptized in Jesus' name. And I mentioned this a moment ago, Colossians 3.17, that whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So baptizing in the name of Jesus, we need that authority to wash away our sin. Now, I want to say this tonight. It's not the water. Because that same water is the water that we wash our hands with. It's the same water that we have in the drinking fountain. It's the same water all around. It's the same water we use to water the lawn. It is not the water. And I will further say that it is not the man that's doing the baptizing in the water. So it won't be me or it won't be anybody else. But what happens, what washes away our sin is the power of the name of Jesus, the authority of the name. We need the name. We need the name. We need the name of the Lord applied to our lives. I I don't wanna belabor the issue, but I'm thankful that when I took on his name, I've got now the authority to operate in his name. I got the authority to to do business in his name, amen? I'm not picking on my wife under absence, but but many years ago we were, we hadn't been married all, all that long. I'm trying to think now how many years, just a few years. But anyway, one, one, one year for my birthday, she bought me a, I was, I, I was a truck, drove a truck, and so I was gone long hours and parked my truck at the terminal there. And so one day I come in, and on my birthday I come in, I, my truck had a brand new set of mags and wheels on. I was like, wow, wow. And I knew the only person that could have been responsible for that was her. And so I just began to thank her, and man, I was just I was just tickled to death until I got the bill from Goodyear. <laughs> this is a true story, I'm telling you. As, as Wendy Bagwell says, with my hand up, true story with my hand up. I dated myself with the Wendy Bagwell conference comment. Then, <laughs> you see, she had the authority. <laughs> because of her last name, to do business in my name. Amen, and so I, I'm just trying to make a point here. So we have the authority. We, a moment ago, we were praying for people. We weren't down here praying. We weren't down here praying for people in the name of Alan Polk. We weren't down here praying for people in the name of Ben Cadell. We weren't. These are great men. Amen. These are wonderful men. I think they're godly men. I think they're men that love the Lord. I think they're men that think about church more than just Wednesday and Sunday. But we weren't praying in their name, but on the only in the only name that we know how. Circumstances beyond our control. Beyond 
beyond our ability to change. What are we gonna do about a situation that we don't have an answer for? We're gonna call on the name, the name that is above every name, the name that the name every tongue is gonna, every tongue is gonna confess, every knee is gonna bow, the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And so it's important that we understand the name. Amen, baptism won't make you born again. You need the Holy Ghost for that. Joining the church is not gonna fix your sin problem. Amen, if you need your sins remitted, it's not gonna be in a song title. It will not be in the lyric of a song. It will not be in, in anything that we can do man-made. Amen, we're gonna have to have the blood of the lamb applied to our lives. I'm thankful for the name. I'm thankful for the name. I love him today. Can we lift our hands and love him? In Jesus' name, I love you today, Lord. I praise you today. I glorify your name. I glorify your name. You're great, and you're greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My prayer, my prayer today was this. I said, Lord, I'm thankful. I'm gonna say what I'm saying with great respect. So if you're offended, you're misunderstanding me. But I said, Lord, I'm so thankful for these old hands we got around here that believe this. Hold your ground. But I said, Lord, we need our middle-agers. We need them to get this. We need our young married couples. We need our young married couples to get this. I'm talking about get it. Get, get your claws into it. Get your teeth into this. Amen, I'm thankful that our youth are in here tonight. You know why? Because we need our young people to get this. They need to get their claws in this. <clears throat> I'm gonna tell you, I'm thankful that in this sanctuary is not the only place they're hearing this. Amen, they're hearing this on Sunday mornings in the Sunday school class. They're hearing this on Wednesday nights and other venues where they're together with our, in our children and youth ministries. And I'm telling you that we've got to get this. You know why? Because as one generation fades away, if the next generation don't have a firm grip on this. That's why apostolic churches all over the world are dropping their message. Because somebody don't have a death grip on this. Amen, somebody don't have their arms around this. Amen. Well, praise God, I'm telling you that we gotta hold on to this. We've got to hold on to this. I know methods will change. Methods have always changed. The, the last change, is the, I mean, the, the only change that ever happened in the church is not whenever, uh, I don't need to go here. <laughs> Never mind. <clears throat> There's always been change. Always been change. When the happy goodmans come along, that brought change to the church. I know we don't want to go here because some of you really like the Happy Goodmans. But see, the Happy Goodmans and their style of singing brought change to the hymnals. <laughs> see, I was doing real good. Everybody was happy and everybody was grinning. But our methods will always change. There was a day a man could make a great living selling buggy whips, but you're in the buggy whip business today, you're probably in trouble. So you gotta change, <laughs> change with the times. Lord, help us. But our message, that's what we gotta leave alone. That's what we can't, we can't challenge that. That's why the Bible says don't remove your neighbor's landmark. You don't take that upon yourself to do that. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
I shared with whoever was here a few months ago about getting some surveying done and some corner markers on our own property relocated and they found one corner, it was off a few inches this way, off a few inches that way and, and so he said, well you wanna leave it alone or you, want it, or you wanna fix this? I said, by all means, let's fix this. I mean, it's, it's gonna take away from me on one side, give back to me on another, but we need this right. We need this right. Don't walk this off. Don't just step this off. Don't just guess at this. We need this right. But why? Because generations to come are gonna be counting on the fact somebody was conscientious that day. Man, I gotta, I know I gotta stop. <clears throat> Praise God. I can appreciate if not all of you can see me do this, but I, I don't know, I can't remember if I shared this when this happened or not, but I was shocked. I was shocked that morning of how much effort this man was taking to make sure that everything was just right. He was on his hands and knees. He had a tape measure, and he would bump that a little bit this way, and he would measure it this way, measure it this way. Amen, he'd wipe his hands off. He'd measure it, measure it again. I thought, my God. I'm telling you, the preacher in me was exploding. I said, man, here's a guy sitting here, got his cat turned around backwards, got holes in his jeans, and he's got enough sense. We got to get this right. He's got enough sense to know we can't fudge on this. Amen. I'm going to say it again. Generations to come. Generations to come. Somebody's going to say, we got to locate the corner. We got to locate the landmark. And somebody's gonna be able to say, if you'll go here so many paces and go there so many paces, <laughs> here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. So we can't guess at this. Woo! We can't guess at this. Praise God. I feel that same way. <laughs> hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We gotta get this. We gotta get this, we gotta get this. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Amen, the anointing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Take us home, Lord. Drive this in our spirit. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And you know what? All you gotta do to have this is just open your heart. Open your mind, open your mouth and say, Lord. I almost feel like going as far to say is the only reason you won't get it is if you push it away. You're gonna to have to turn your eyes to it. You're gonna to have to close your ears to it. And so I say, Lord, let me see your word. Amen. I'm gonna tell you that if God can remove can move in remote regions of the world and speak to men and women who know nothing about him. How much closer to the fire are you and I be? Amen, let the Spirit of God touch our heart, prick our heart. Amen, amen, amen. In the name of the Lord, I love you today, Jesus. I love you with all my heart. I'm here tonight, God, not under duress, but I'm here because I wanna be. Amen, I'm not preaching against my will. I'm not teaching against my better judgment tonight, but I'm, I'm speaking what's in my heart. I'm speaking what's in my heart. And I only have one desire, and that's to know you and know you more and to have it deeper in my heart, deeper in my spirit. Planted my feet, God, on your word. 
I want to be planted in your word. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.